open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this opportunity just to come back together this morning. God is family, and we just thank you. Even that little CJ is with us this morning, God. And uh, Father, I just thank you, God, for new life. And uh, we just praise you, Father, that you are sovereign and um, that you are that you are on your throne. And I just Thank you in advance for everything that will happen in the service this morning. We commit this service to you, Father, and we look forward to hearing um, of your good work, Lord. And we give you all honor and all praise, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
we thank you, Lord, for this day. And I pray, God, that that would just be the desire of our hearts, God, to run after you. Father, for your word says that if we seek you, we will find you if we seek you with our whole hearts. Thank you, God, for how you're working in and through each one of us, God. How your word promises that you've begun this work in us and you are faithful to complete it. I thank you, Father, that we can cling to you and we know that our hope in Christ will never disappoint us. So wherever we may find ourselves today, God, I pray, God, that we would set our eyes upon you, that we would fix our gaze upon the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for the time that we've had over the past few weeks just to kind of take a step back, Lord, and kind of just draw close to you. Thank you for how you've used um, Yvette, Gilda, and Debbie, and Norma, God, as you sent them out and used them, Father, to advance your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for their obedience. We thank you, Father, for the seeds that have been planted, the, the service that was given. Father, we thank you for the lives that have impacted for your kingdom. We pray, God, that you would continue to use us, this small fellowship of people, not just here locally within our communities, but, Father, that you would take us to the othermost parts of the ends of the earth, as you did with Norma. So, Father, I thank you. Thank you, God, that your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so good to see you. So good to see you. Yes. Good morning. All right, so we're going to hear from a few people. We're going to start with Gilda, then we're going to flow to Debbie, and then to Yvette. I believe she's somewhere. Yeah, she's All right. back. And then we're going to end with Norma, and then I'll come back up. But for now, if you ladies, I know Norman needs to use the microphone. But you other ladies, you can use it or you can just stand up here. Um, we're recording it so um, others can listen to it. So, um, Forever and eternity. Hello, Debbie. <laughs> All right, Bill. Um, Debbie and I had the awesome privilege of going and serving with GAIN, which is the pretty much the compassionate arm of Cruise Ministry, and it was phenomenal. They do um, a lot of outreaches, and they also uh, serve they serve their local community as well as the United States, but they really. Um, do a lot of over, overseas ministry. So they, um, they do food, they do clothing, um, blankets, medical, optical, wheelchairs. Uh, they have so many different ministries and so, uh, outreaches rather, that they do. But um, we, there was a group of 13 of us, however, there were hundreds and hundreds of other volunteers there. 
So twice a year they do uh, these packing events. And uh, they do one in June and they do one in October. So uh, the 13 of us, we shared a farmhouse, which was awesome. And it was actually really, really economical to do it that way as opposed to uh, spending the funds on a hotel. And we were able to have um, devotional times and just cook and eat together. So it was really, it was really a time of bonding with people that we, uh, we serve with, but we don't really get to interact with them on a day-to-day -day basis like that. So, and I'm very happy to say 12 women and a 14-year-old boy, everybody got along great. <laughs> so that was really, uh, you know, that was really a praise report because sometimes personalities can, you know, we can let our personalities or our needs get in the way, but everybody was uh, a team player, everybody got along well. So, um, so we went and what we did was they were packing food. And they were also doing uh, these cut and trace and sew for Lua pads, Lua pads, which are feminine products that are washable. Um, women in certain countries do not have access to this, those products. So during that time of the month, they are not able to go to work. They are not able to go to school. And in some communities, they are just completely shunned. <coughs> So um, they cut them, they trace them, they sew them, and then they do a pack of six that they put in a Ziploc bag with um, a washcloth and I think a couple of other things. And so they distribute these. And one of the things that I really love about uh, GAIN is um, that one of their things is restoring dignity to people. And that's so important. And so another thing that Debbie and I, this is what we did, was um, the blankets. So they, uh, they get blankets that are donated, but they also quilt blankets. So that's just this whole process, like there's the cutting, the sewing, the layering, and then the sewing again, and then what Debbie and I and you know dozens of other people did was we were doing these knots to tie the layers um, together so that the blankets won't pull apart. And so uh, you had to tie them a certain way and you had to cut them a certain way. So we were, um, that's what we did for the days that we were there. Um, and I wanted to say that like all of the, the quilts that are made were quilts that if you went into a store, you would want to purchase. They were not uh, shabby or looked like anything used or anything. I mean, they were just beautiful masterpieces. They really were. I was just in awe. And so some of them are small, uh, and some of them are small that they don't have a layer, but they uh, use those to eat on. And one of the things about the refugees is that they don't have a lot of stuff. So what they do is a lot of times they use the blankets to carry their stuff. And so if they're in a huge refugee tent, that blanket also serves to um, 
mark off their space because that's that's the only way that they can mark off their space. And they have smaller ones for, for babies. And, um, you know, so they use them to sleep in. They use them to eat on top of. They use them to keep warm. They use them to carry their stuff. They use them to uh, mark off their space. So I, you wouldn't think that that would be something, you know, that you'd have to do. But that is actually what they need to do. So they, uh, one thing I like about GAIN as well is that they do partner with a lot of other ministries. So uh, there's another ministry that they partner with or an organization that um, brings like washing machines and dryers. Because, uh, of course, after these blankets have been used by the people that they're given to, they're laying on the ground, they're carrying their stuff, they're going to be dirty. And they were sharing stories of how when they would go to these washing machines and the dryers and they would get their blankets washed, that when they would get them fresh, warm, out of the dryer, people would just hold on to them and smell them and just bust out crying because their blankets were fresh and, and clean. And I was just amazed at how many things like we just take for granted. We take a lot of things for granted. And um, they also do gospel bracelets, which is basically they give them out to, um, to children, and they tell the story of Christ. They all come with a little uh, packet and explain what the color of the beads mean. So um, they partnered with Samaritan's Purse, and they had uh, made and packaged... 55,000 of them. So Samaritan's Purse sends out those shoe boxes for Christmas. So each of those shoe boxes are going to have a gospel, uh, that gospel explanation in the form of the braid. And it comes with a little pamphlet that is like in six different languages, I think they said. So that was amazing as well. And, um, since the doors had been opened in Cuba, they had packed, I don't even know how many pallets of rice and beans mm. to be able to send over there. So they were sending two uh, containers, those like freight containers full of supplies, like food mainly um, for them. And there are, I believe they said like five or seven pastors that are waiting for this food. So yes, they're going to meet that need. And then hopefully this is going to open a door for them to be able to share the gospel. And one of the things that they had um, said was, if somebody's hungry, if somebody's cold, if somebody's sick, you have to meet that need first. They feel that love of you taking care of that need. And then... They're open to receive. They're open to listen to you. So I just found, like, there were so many stories, stories of, uh, they also drill wells, and they do filters. Like, the water filters, I think, last for two years. But they also go into communities, and they drill wells. And uh, there was a story of one village where the women were having to, I think they got up, like, at, three o'clock in the morning or something, had to take their children with them, walk seven miles 
to go get this water that was murky and just dirty. Come back, and a lot of, uh, and in this village, there were, uh, it was an area that had hyenas. So they would be risking their life, and people would die, and kids would die and get attacked by these hyenas helping their moms bring back the water that they needed. So Gain was able to go and give them fresh water. Um, and just the before and the after pictures were amazing. And these people were just praising God and just so joyful for water. For water. And uh, I think that being out there, one of the things that stuck with me was that um, even at Crew, which is the ministry that we serve in, we're so well taken care of. Like we really are spoiled. We're so blessed to be to be there. And I think that a lot of times, you know, when we're processing checks and responding to emails and uh, doing all these other things, we kind of get wrapped up and forget that it's actually a ministry that we're serving with. And so every check that we process, every email that we respond to, every uh, problem that we fix allows these missionaries to do what they need to do. And it also allows for these people that are in such desperate need, um, not only of physical, tangible things, but in desperate need of the Lord, it facilitates that. It makes that happen. So I just want to be able to like keep that in the forefront of my mind, that all those things have um, an eternal value as well as just uh, as well as meeting their need right now. And so uh, I'm just going to leave you with this. When uh, I was quilting, I had gotten a couple blankets that um, needed to be redone. So I had to take the, the knots out because, like I said, they were supposed to be in a specific way. And so there were a couple that weren't done correctly, and somebody asked me if I could do them over for them. So I said, yeah. And so um, while I was doing that, it just kind of reminded me of our lives. So it's this quilt you know, this beautiful picture that God has put together. There's all these pieces or lives and events and, you know, people that we've met, things that we've done, places that we've gone. And so God has this plan for us. And, you know, we go and we tie these knots in our lives and we go places that maybe we shouldn't. And so God comes and you know, sometimes he has to untie the knots, and sometimes he has to pull the knots completely out, and sometimes you have to take all of the knots out of the blank, out of the quilt. But with each knot that he's tying, it's this compassion, this love for us, this desire for us. And so I just got this whole picture of just, you know, like, when they're first putting the quilts together, we don't know what, is, what it's going to look like. You don't know uh, what the back of it's going to look like. 
you don't know what it's going to look like exactly until all those knots are, are tied. And so that's kind of what uh, stuck with me the most was during those moments where I was just sitting there just thinking. I was like, wow, this is such a picture of our lives and such a picture of like God's hands in our lives. And he's making this beautiful, beautiful thing. And sometimes it has to be undone in order to be made right. So. Well, Gilda actually said about everything that could be said. <laughs> She's really good. I'm not, but I I think like a lot of times when we go on mission trips to serve or to bless other people, we get the blessing. And mm -hmm. I know for this mission trip, I was highly blessed. <coughs> just, just like Gilda said, you know, just realizing how well we are taken care of at Crew. Um, just the simplest things as when Crew gives us a dinner, it's the highest quality, the cleanest, you know, the, the best. And they provided lunch and breakfast for us. And it, it, was, it was perfectly good. It was everything anybody needed, but it just wasn't the quality that we were used to, you know. It wasn't pristine. It wasn't possibly as clean as what we're used to. And just to see how the group of us were just like, oh, okay, and pushing it around <laughs> our table or plates or whatever, I just felt like, wow, Lord. We have really, really gotten spoiled, and that was that was a, a awakening for me. Really, it was, and um, one of the things that I really appreciated about Gain is, even though they are, you know, it's this wonderful outreach. Just the people who are able to um, volunteer there. They, it's a ministry to them as well because they're mostly retired people who would have nothing to wake up, no purpose in the morning when they wake up. So you can just see how charged they are to come there and to be doing something that they feel, you know, is important and to, to make friends while they're doing it and have conversation and there was even a 100-year-old woman there. Wow. And it was just amazing, like, how God brought all of that together. And, you know, not only is it an outreach that they're doing, but doing that outreach is an outreach to them. Yeah. So it just, it's just really an amazing ministry that they have going on there. And... For us, just the 13 of us, I think we, we were really ministered to among each other. Of course, Gilda ministered to everybody because right away she's like, we need to go to the grocery store and 
she's planning meals and she's cooking breakfast and then she's preparing for dinner the next night and I'm like you're supposed to be relaxing but she can't relax I guess that's the way she relaxes but it really was a blessing and, and everybody you know really appreciated that and everybody of course pitched in and it was it was a very bonding experience for us as co-workers that just knew each other so superficially. And the last night we were there, the, the devotions time was incredibly rich. It was, the Holy Spirit was just saturating each one of us. And, I mean, the age, like she said, we had a 14-year-old son of one of the ladies with us. And then we had a couple girls who were... 2021, then up to we were probably the oldest ones there. <laughs> but um, it was just amazing. Like, God broke every single one of us. We all were sobbing in, in the end of that devotions. It was like all the walls broke down. We became so transparent to each other. And it was it was just amazing. And also, like Gilda said, just that we were able to spend a whole week together, you know, making decisions. The young girls want to eat here. The older people want to eat here. But we were always able to come, come to a consensus. Nobody was ever complaining that I heard of anyway. And it just seemed like, you know... Everything just flowed so perfectly. The travel, the arrangements, the food, everything. It was a great experience. And the other thing that I really took from it is a huge desire to go with them internationally. Because just seeing the clips and hearing the stories, it would just be so awesome just to be part of that. So, that's really all I have. I won't take one. <laughs> um, I'm so glad you're back. I get a hug. You hug everybody. You didn't give me a hug. <laughs> oh, I was praying for you. My goodness, we were all. Um, oh, I just tear up thinking about Rob and I have already met and talked, and God is moving in such incredible ways. Um, when I, I went to Jamaica, came and, and then to the Native American Reservation, so I was all over the place in three weeks, and it was, you know, it, it was wrecked, and my body got wrecked, I got sick in Jamaica. Um, we're in the tallest mountain, the Blue Mountains in Jamaica, which is the tallest place. The roads are about this big, and twice I opened the door while the pastor was driving, so let me out of here. I, I'll walk. So I lost 12 pounds because I walked everywhere. <laughs> I'll meet you up at the top, and I'm not driving on these roads. I mean, it just scared me to death. But when we got there, it was kind of a culture shock for me because as you and Gilda said, it was, I, we're used to things, even in my little rickety house over here, used to things a little bit more than what we, you know, when I got there. Um, we, we got there, we spent 10 days, I spent 10 days there, and then I came home because I had to be in Cayman, and there was just so much. I mean, I told Rob there was so much, but it was like I was telling him during the time <clears throat> I got sick the second day, I was there running 102 fever, um, infection really bad, but 
you know, Ruthie and them kept it going. And then the day I, the day before I left, I was able to speak again because my voice had come back just for that moment, and then it went away right after I was done. Um, but the lives, there were 400 people that we, we reached out to there. And in my spirit, it was like, my God, they don't know who Jesus is. They don't know their identity. So I started thinking about Rob, and I started thinking about what we learn here. And I said, you have to ask them, do they know Jesus? Do they really know their salvation is assured? Bottom line, four people out of 400 knew. So we had to start from ground floor. Children were so receptive, nine-year-olds running and praising the Lord and doing this. Older folks, you know, were doing the same thing. We all came together. We walked to nine different, I think it was seven or nine, I can't remember, provinces, um, and went to different locations. And we were walking a lot there and witnessing to, you know, people who didn't want God. We saw the demoniac come out and talk to Robin, that part of it. And yet, the message that we have here has literally gone, is going global. There's over 300 of them that are listening to the messages now. I don't know if you can count or if you can tell how many people are coming on, but in Jamaica, there are more and more. Beery keeps me updated that people are like, oh my goodness, why is nobody teaching us this? By the time Ruth left, there was such a, re a revival that it was incredible. Um, and we didn't, we had no food. I mean, we lived on bananas. That was their gift to us. Oh, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, it's a surprise. And they hand you a bag. And I'm like, let me guess, bananas? And they're like, bananas. And I'm like, yay. I'm like, I don't eat bananas. I never do. I, I drink them, but I don't eat them. And then I saw a goat going by because we're in the mountains and there's goats. And I told her, I said, I'm going to go tackle that goat and gnaw on his ear. I just need something. And <laughs> she's like, so... But then when I was down, because I was down, I was down for a little while with the um, infection that I had from the black mold that I had contracted up there and all that, the Lord just was like breaking things off of me, just chipping it off of me going, you know, it's not about you. Literally, we learn this, but you don't put it in play until you're in a place that you are so stuck somewhere and you've got nothing. I bathed in a little pool about this big, you know, the little plastic pools that the kids have, but this is a baby one. They have mountain water. There's no hot water. So I would heat the water up, put it in there. We'd bathe. Um, whatever food we have, we would give to the people. We would hand it out to them and give to them and just tell them, no, 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 this is from us, you know. Um, the biggest thing was that they found Jesus, that they found the Lord, that they finally knew who it was. They were so afraid of judgment because they didn't know who Jesus was and who the Lord was. And once they found out, the fear of the judgment left. And so I left there. Ruthie stayed during the hurricane. We <clears throat> came home, went to the doctor, got my stuff, went to Canaan, and met with the women there. And the hardness of people, when you walk into a room and there's all these people there, but there's this pain that they won't release. And ministering, you know, letting the Lord just speak. I wasn't speaking at all to anybody. I was just praying. And that, and just when you had the opportunity, you would hear the, the stories of how hurt, how hurt they were from loss of children mostly um, and ministering to them to where that peace broke off of them. It was all God. It had nothing to do with us being there. It was just giving them what we had learned and what he was downloading in us. Um, and so when I left there, we came back, and then we went out to Oklahoma and went to the, um, the Trail of Tears. It was the, first, it was the first Native American prayer 
um, conference they'd had at the end of the Trail of Tears where, you know, if you know history about the Native American Indians, how bad things were. And what this group came to do, and it was run by a lot of young people, but what this group came to do is Native Americans from all over the United States, plus from the rainforest um, and Africa, just, it, you know, Native peoples, but the Indians came in. And they came there to do a weekend's worth of prayer and fasting to ask the Lord to forgive them for not forgiving those who had hurt them and killed their people and took their lives and took their families and put them where they're at and having this generational curse over them and that they wanted him to just forgive them for being unforgiven, you know, for being unforgiving. They wouldn't, they wanted to let go of all the stuff that had happened to them and move forward in this day and age to heal the wounds of what's taken place. The, it was incredible um, that the forgiveness, the, the restoration that took place with the people of all the different nations that were represented there and just standing there and talking to them and, and watching just genuine forgiveness made me realize you really have some things to deal with. I mean, from Jamaica to Cayman to, to, to Oklahoma, it's like, let go of that pain. Again, speaking with them and giving them the ministry information to listen to, you know, the sermons and the, and the things that we do here. I'm getting emails from California, from Oklahoma, from South Dakota, you know, pray for us. These, these are incredible you know, they want to know, who is this person? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he's just our pastor. But these are what they're learning from. So our message that we're learning, and the thing I got from it was that um, the message that we're getting is going global. It's not just staying here. It's being going across the world, literally. It's not just what we're taking here and hoping we can, you know, share, it is literally blossoming and in the spiritual realm, maybe not with our fleshly eyes, but in the spirit realm, it is exploding in the spiritual realm for people who desperately are searching for God in Jamaica, in, you know, when we were walking the mountains, they would come up to us and say, will you pray with us, will you pray with us? When we'd go through the little towns, they would hold on to and say, thank you so much for being here, for bringing the word. Even if we're standing in for, we were in the red light district, and just they would they would stop doing whatever they were doing, and they would listen to what we had to say. And it's like you know we know who he is. It's just giving them that seed and planting it. Um, and no matter what you felt, no matter how bad I was feeling, except for the first two days, I would get out there and do whatever. But I would do it with wisdom, because it wasn't about me getting out there and doing anything. It was about him moving it. And there's just so much more. I mean, we talked for a good two hours. There's so much more. Um, but the children, the children are getting it. The kids are getting it. The little ones are getting it. They're learning how to pray and realizing who he is and who they are and their authority that they have in them that Christ has given them, you know, from what God has given us to teach them their dominion and authority. And so their prayers are incredible. Um, they literally came over to my, you know, where I was at and were pray. The kids would pray and they would, you know, you're going to be okay. I'm going to be fine, you know. But again, it was more about not what we did. We were just vessels. We were just the vessels that went. And yet again, like you said, he does something to us when we're in the, in the trenches. He 
maybe lets us get down for a little while and says, okay, it's you and I because everybody else is gone and you're on this mountain and you have, you have nothing. You have no nothing. You have no food, no nothing. You and I are going to have a, have a spiritual one-on-one. And so when we take that, um, you know, when, when, when I realized that so many times in the past when I have spoken, it was always wanting, you know, did I do it good? Did I do it right? Did I do that? What does everybody think? You know, it, it doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's in Deuteronomy, it's written that he's the one that sees us. He's the one that looks at us. It doesn't matter what man sees because he's going to see broken. He's going to see me sick and broken. But he can't see the spiritual realm where I'm praying for all those that are out there in the trenches in Jamaica, in Cayman, in the Bahamas, um, on the Native American reservations, you know, the incest and sexual abuse is at 98%. The suicide rate is at 86 And that's here in our own backyard. Kids are killing themselves left and right. And yet in the spirit realm, we, there are no boundaries. There are no barriers. So it may not be moving the world, but in the spirit realm, what we do here in this little place, you know, not little, but you know what I mean, in this little congregation, this little gathering, um, is literally moving in the spirit realm people that have never heard who he is and never really understood who he is. So I give glory to God, and I thank Rob, but I give glory to God and I give glory to, you know, to him because if it wouldn't have been for help to be able to go where I needed to get to, where he had put on my heart to go and, and where he had destined us to be at that moment, you know, he gets the glory. You know, he gets all of it because... We are to be out there and be in his hands and feet, no matter where it is. And like I had told you earlier about Prime Hills of Popka and, and the places that, you know, we're working on. It's right here, but it's still in the spirit realm. What's he going to do with it? You know, and I, I thank you all for your prayers and support, especially, you know, during that time. And, and, uh, and what you guys are doing, too, what you all are doing to move, the, move the, the word out there as well. So, thanks, Amen. All right, Norma. <laughs> <laughs> um, stand in front of the mic. Definitely have a, a great experience uh, when I was in East Asia. Um, I was able to go to a house church um, and just to hear what they are doing in that place. Um, around 70 people gather on different days during the week. They don't have a specific day for security reason. Um, but just to hear that those people are doing what they're doing for God, knowing that at any moment that door can be posted and everybody go down. But just to know that they are doing it because they believe in God, because they want to reach out the lost, because they want to share the true gospel with them. Um, we was able to um, recruit the, the 
went from here, but from different places. From it was total, it was seven that we flew to that place. Um, we was able to share the gospel in so many different ways. It was amazing to hear people say, um, "I never heard about your God. Never heard about Jesus. Never ever did." And be able to share with them the truth and. Some of them say sound good, it look good, but I'm not ready. I need to know more about the God you're talking about. Um, uh, we was able to, um, from all the people that we share the gospel, uh, two of them, uh, a female and a guy, uh, received Jesus, and that was for us. It was amazing because uh, they they uh, they want to know the truth. They want to know about that God that we were talking about, but they have so many questions because in that place in a specific, uh, what they teach them since they are little is that you need to have a good job, you need to marry the right person, uh, you need to have a master's degree. That's all they have in their mind is just have a, a achieve to have a master's degree, have a good job, have a good house, and everything is material, and you will be happy. It's all about happiness. And at the end of the day, a lot of people, at least I had the, 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 the opportunity to talk to one of them that I already graduated from college, and she was telling me, but I don't have that happiness that my parents told me that I should have. And that uh, we was able to talk to, talk to her and, and tell her about Jesus, and she was like, wow, I never heard about it, about him. and um, But... It was amazing to know that those people are, want to know the truth, but when we told them about Jesus, some of them decide that, yeah, I want to know more about him, and we trying to um, have some other people to talk to them in their own language, because they don't speak, some of them speak English, but some of the majority of them uh, speak their own language and so we have different people uh, from that country able to communicate with them even um, give them the information so they can um, talk to them later on and be able to share with them more about about the gospel and about Jesus I think that what I learned from this um, from the whole experience that I have with in this country is how much we take for granted what we have. Um, how much we take for granted the ability that we that we know about Jesus, that we know about freedom, <coughs> salvation. Um, even those little things like everybody shared that they had the spirit that we are so taking for granted having water, have a really nice bathroom. Uh, the reality is that uh, but the most important thing that, we, that I believe inside of my heart is that we take for granted to share the gospel with others. Yeah, we can have all the material things, but at the end of the day, it's about Jesus. At the end of the day, it's just let, let others know, say, I used to be this way. I, I used to uh, be a, a slave to, to sin, but this is what he had done in my life. And so we take that for granted. And uh, for me personally, it's just like, okay, God, I mean, I just want to be able to tell others that the freedom that I'm experiencing right now is because of him. And tell others that with him all things are possible. And uh, so that's pretty much what, 
it's a lot of stuff that happened and during those 13 days but I think the main point about the whole 13 days is just to being able to share the gospel with others even in our own country here in our, in our own backyard with you know places that we go to eat or places that we're going to shopping whatever I mean we take for granted to tell others about Jesus and hear those people that they want to know okay you, you share with them for the first time about God about Jesus and they say I, I want to know more about that Jesus that you're talking about because I can see that it's something different than you and when you that for me was so encouraged to hear directly from that it's something different what is it and for you to be able to tell them that it's all about him what he had done in your life but that's the the beauty of uh, the encouragement I received uh, to know that that's what he had called us just to share and to tell others about him and the freedom that we have in him. Yes, Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies, for sharing. <clears throat> well, I don't want to. Um, tarry for too long on this, but I do want to give anyone an opportunity that may want to share kind of what they've taken away from these past couple of weeks. You know, we've kind of taken a break, and I think it's good to do that, you know, um, to kind of just pull back and just kind of center ourselves on Christ and seek Him. And I found it interesting that through this time that we were taking this break, that each of you were sent out, you know, to go, to serve. And um, so I just really feel God is, is, is revealing to us specifically what he would have for us as a, just a small fellowship of people. So is there anyone that may want to share kind of what they have taken away over the past couple of weeks before I share? Um, I've been gone for a little longer. Um, throughout this process of being away, um, in my devotional time, has been truly, and it's amazing hearing about taking for granted. So, in the same aspect, he he was letting me know that um, I have this this gift, and we always pray, we always pray, we always want him to listen to us. And listening to everybody today um, basically confirms that it. It's time just to sit back, listen, and move. And he he was kept telling me, "We are, I'm present. You're never alone. We're never ever alone. We are fortunate to have him. He got our backs. Move forward. Listen to him, and share share what he has for us. And it was amazing listening to everybody. I was like, wow, that's it. He wants us to listen. Well, I think that one of the things for me was um, because one of uh, the last things we did as a fellowship before we took a break was um, that we went and we partnered with another church and we um, served the homeless <coughs> and um, it was it was wonderful. It was beautiful, and I think that um, 
and everybody had like a part, whether they spoke with someone or they just prayed or they just helped set up. Everybody had a part that um, they did. So just seeing uh, two separate bodies of Christ come together and be as one um, was was a huge blessing. And I, I love to be able to um, do outreaches. Um, that's something that really I'm like super passionate about that I really, I really love to do. And, and I think that it's just so beautiful that for as small as we are, that God has blessed us with many different opportunities. So that's one thing that I would love to see is for us to either um, partner with others or just to be able to even just go out on the street or do something similar in our, you know, literally like in our backyard or... Um, so I just, um, I think that sometimes we take things for granted. And um, I think that this is, uh, that was just a, I don't know, it was just funny that that was like the last thing we did together. And then others, you know, some of us were able to actually go and, and do that. So I think that that was kind of like God giving a picture of, you know, the different things that we can do and the ways that he can use all of us. And, and definitely for us to, um, as a fellowship, truly be brothers and sisters, truly be friends, um, to keep that unity, because it's when, it's that unity that is going to um, enable us to be able to go, because, you know, some of you gave in order for us to go, some of you gave in order for Norma to go, um, and it's just, everything is, needs to be done um, with a spirit of unity because to remember that we are one body and the things that we are doing are just being hands and feet and extensions of Christ's body. So. You bet. I think what it taught me, you know, during this time period um, was more about I, I deal a lot with rejection and I don't deal with it well and I think what it did in those moments for me was to realize that I needed that that valley to be in to realize that it's not about man it's not about man it's about God and it's about those that when we walk past and we know that they need us they need something they need to see Jesus and they need someone to reach out to them to be that Jesus instead of worrying about being rejected to go ahead and just reach out because it's not us. And so um, I think you're absolutely right, unity. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do some of the things about help here as well and and from those on the outside that helped get us to where, I mean, it was a last hour thing for us to get to Jamaica. We had no tickets until the night before to get there. Um, and we, we just believed that if it was his if we were supposed to go, then it would happen, and it did. Um, we also have kept in contact in, with a pastor that's, you know, helping out, and also your mess the messages from here that they listen to 
are going into Kenya, and he deals with women with genital mutilation, and he's um, blessed by what he's learning as well. So it's, I guess for myself, during this reflection time, even though it seemed like it was like, go, 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 it was to let go of the fear of rejection and, and of control completely, and to surrender it all, and then he can move and flow, kind of like what he gave me in this dream, I guess, was the stream flowing, but there's a boulder there, and it just trickles around it, and until that boulder is chiseled and, and out of the way, then the, then the flow will come out of our bellies as well as, you know, so for myself, it was letting go of the rejection and the fear, um, and, and, and realizing that, you know, we are a body, and even whatever we do, in deed or in action, it's for his glory, not for man. I have uh, two, two different things. They kind of probably go together in some way, but it's two trains of thought. Um, the first one, over the last, I guess it's been three weeks, maybe, um, I think that if you are existing at all, you can see that um, the attack on truth and on righteousness and on anyone who tries to stand for truth and righteousness is just becoming greater and greater in this country and really around the world. And um, what truth try is being twisted and um, the word of God is being twisted and even those who claim the name of Christ are not preaching truth. And people are believing lies. And um, so one thing that I've taken away from the last few weeks is that, and we hear it, we've heard it here time and time again, is that um, these, are, these are perilous times. And we don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. This is going to be one of the hardest weeks for our that our country has seen in a very, very long time. We don't know what this week is going to hold for our country. And more than ever, the church needs to be united. The church as a whole is the body of Christ, and the individual church group bodies. And so I guess that kind of leads me into my <coughs> second point is there's, I feel like God has been showing me specific individuals, you all don't know them, um, who has, he's shown me that don't have what we have. They don't have, they're believers, but they don't have a fellowship that they can call a family. A fellowship that, that they can be a part of that preaches truth, that they can thrive in, that encourages them in their gifts, that will hold them accountable and that they can know that they are loved and have a place. 
so I think one thing that I can say over these last weeks is that sometimes you can not realize what you have until it's not there anymore. And so I believe that him showing me these different people and the lack that they have in their lives in that area reminds me to not take it for granted for what we have in our lives because not everyone has what we have. So to be careful and to protect it. But also in that, we are here for such a time as this because we don't know what's going to take place over the next few months in this country. In this world, Christians are dying right and left, and the gospel is being watered down, and evil is becoming okay with the world. So we need to, for lack of a better term, gird our loins and be ready to stand um, and to be bold and courageous as a, as a body of believers here in this room, but as a united front, um, because the attacks are coming, and they're, I don't believe that they're going to get any um, easier. So. What's well, been an interesting couple of weeks, um, just through prayer and, and seeking Him for direction. Um, I truly believe, and as each of you have touched on, that you know, yet though we're a small fellowship, God is doing great things among us, and not only um, the opportunities to be able to serve and to love others, to you know, plant the seed, um, to harvest the seed, to tend to the seed, but to be effective harvesters in the harvest, the Lord's harvest. You know, This is what we're called to as believers. If you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, it's no longer your will to be done, it's His will. You're seeking him above all daily you're no longer to be living for the temporalness of life you're not defined any longer by your desires remember we've been studying a lot here that your desires that old nature is nailed to the cross and we've also studied here what the word of god says that even the world's interest in us has been done away with because we've been born again born of a different nature born of the Spirit, to truly live a life that honors the one in whom we say we belong to. These are perilous days. These are days where truth is being perverted. And we need to remember what the Scripture says. It's the truth that sets us free. And if truth is being perverted at such a great level, there's such a great deception that will take place. People will be enslaved. But we have the gospel to preach. And that's what I'm hoping as we're coming back together to really encourage each other in daily to live it out. Daily to proclaim it. Daily to give the opportunities for others to see that there is freedom in Christ. That what he accomplished, he finished. That in and of ourselves, we can't add to it. There's nothing that you can do to accomplish what Christ has already done. You will never be good enough. 
So it's not about you. It's not about the good works. It's not about this. It's not about that. It has nothing to do to point back to you. It's all about him. It's pointing to him. Because this is the hope in which we have. It's in Christ. And it's even in the seasons of our lives that we find ourselves feeling unworthy. That should even draw us even closer to him. Because he's worthy. And he loves us with such a great love. The Bible says that his love endures forever. The Bible says he loved us yet though we were in complete rebellion towards him. He loves us. And if you find yourself today living a life, calling yourself a Christian, but in still rebellion towards him, understand this. He still loves you. But in that love, he's calling you from that rebellion. Because we understand this. Those who remain in rebellion towards him will endure his wrath. We've talked about it before, and we've seen it as we've gone through Scripture. God has saved us from himself, from his wrath. The Bible says that even in this day and the days to come, that his wrath will be poured out upon this earth. And we're here as his messengers. As long as there's breath within our body, there's work to be done. How are you laboring out there? This is what it's been over the past few weeks in my heart, in my time of prayer, just not only just for myself, but for all of us. How are you laboring? What is your focus? Listen, just turn on the news, you all. It's chaotic. Have you not seen the level of division and strife, of chaos, building and building and building and building? And I'm just not talking about politics. I'm talking about everywhere. And I'm just not talking about our nation. I'm talking about throughout the earth. But oh, we're not to grow weary. We're not to get caught up in all of that. We have the good news. If you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say the world is growing to go darker and darker and darker. But that's when the church ought to be growing brighter and brighter and brighter. We're not to be, we're not to be afraid. We have the good news. We have the hope that the world needs, even though they will reject us as they rejected him. You've heard me talk about the prophets when they were called of God and God told them and gave them the message to speak. And I always find it ironic that in that calling, he also told them, but they won't listen to you. And yet they were obedient to go into their generation to proclaim the truth. To seek him, to live for God. How are you laboring? See, it's not about beating ourselves up. And again, it's not about, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not pleasing God. No, we got to break free of that trap of the enemy. we got to focus on him and not on us. Ask God, how can he use you this day? How can you make your life not about you, me, myself, and I, but about him and about others? 
Like he promises never to leave us nor forsake us. He promises us to take care of our needs. He is for us and not against us. But we must awaken to the hour in which we're in. Each of us, we have breath in our body this day, this moment, this hour. We are purposed for this generation. We are purposed for the times in which we're in. To talk about Jesus. It always grips me when I hear not only people in East Asia that may have never, hear, have never heard of the name of Jesus, or there's people throughout the earth that has never heard of the name Jesus, but it grips me to think that in our own nation we have a generation that's being raised up that has never heard of the name Jesus. In our nation. There's work to be done, you all. And that's what I want to challenge us. There's work to be done. People are dying and going to an eternal hell. And we want to argue about politics. People are dying and going to hell. And we want to demand our rights for our desires. People are dying and going to hell, an eternal hell. And we're so caught up with our chaos. And we're missing the opportunity to be that light that shines forth, that beacon on the hill, that, that hope to be able to tell others there's a God who loves you. And what he has accomplished through his cross and through his resurrection to redeem you. To give you everything you need to live a godly life. That he is giving you, if you believe in him, his Holy Spirit. That is to be your counselor, your guide, and your teacher. So your life is not dependent on yourself to live it out. No, your life is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if you walk in the Spirit, if you habitually walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. So to live for God. I'm going to share a few scriptures. We're not going to turn to all of them, but they're going to be captured in the notes. And you can always go back and listen to the message as well. But I want to encourage you this week to go forth and spend time in these scriptures and allow these scriptures to minister to you. There will be a few that we will turn to. But the first one I want us to hear is from Exodus 20, verse 3. Again, to live for God. Exodus 20, verse 3. You must not have any other God but me. there for a second. You must not have any other God but me. What are the idols that we erect in our lives? What, what are the gods in which we're bowing down to? That which we're giving ourselves to. 
we shouldn't be. The thing in which you set your heart to and your mind to is the thing you will follow. And it doesn't have to be another statue. It doesn't have to be, you know, another form of religion out there. It could just be the thing of your life that you desire the most, which becomes another God in your life. The book of Proverbs says that as a man thinks, so he goes. We also, we'll, we'll look at the scripture today where the Bible says, how does he transform us by changing the way we think. The more that you draw close to him, the more he draws close to you. He defines you. Your identity is to be in Christ. As a believer, you know that. And daily you should celebrate that. What is your position? It's in Christ. You are seated with Christ. He's to be your only God. It's Him and Him alone. It's not your bank account. It's not if your bills are getting paid. It's not in relationships. It's not in anything else that tries to define you or tries to lord over you. Is He your Lord? Because we're called to have no other God but Him. No other God but Jesus. Jesus. Who do you call to in times of trouble? Who do you praise when things go your way? Who do you seek when you feel lost or tempted? Jesus. Him and Him alone should be the only God in our lives and whom we're living for. If you go to Matthew, well, I'm just going to we won't go there, but Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34, it reads and it tells us to first seek His kingdom. And in seeking His kingdom, He will provide what is needed for your life. His kingdom. His kingdom. The Bible tells us that we have been engrafted into his kingdom, into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yet though everything else on this earth is shaking, his kingdom is established. I love the picture of Christ sitting at the right hand, the throne of God. He's sitting. He's not pacing back and forth, wringing out his hands, anxious about how things are, are going. No, he is seated. And in that picture, such great hope comes from that. That is the kingdom in which we ought to be seeking. His kingdom. His purpose. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, talks about the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God. With all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your body, with all of your strength. To love the Lord your God. There's nothing like being in His presence. There's nothing like abiding in Him. Holding fast to His truths. 
Seeking Him with your whole heart. And when I think about what He has done in my life, when I think about what He's done in all of our lives, but when I think about Norma and those feet of hers were planted in East Asia when I think about when I first met her what a wreck and a mess she was and I think now when I look at her life and I see the picture of complete submission to the one that can only do what has been done in her life. Wow. The same with each of us. You're called to submit yourself to God. And again, it's, it's not about playing the religious game. It's not about taking on a form of religion. And yet, just being as dead as the next person. Religion is not going to save you. Your good works are of no use. Your church attendant is of no use if there's nothing coming from you. And that which is to come from you is Christ. Him living in and through you. So it's not about beating yourself up. No, it's just that full picture of of submission. God, I trust you. Even if I don't understand. Even if, God, every circumstance around me is, is chaotic. Even, God, when my body feels like it's falling apart. God, I will trust you. My God, living for God. The greatest, the first, great, and the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with your very being. Knowing that we're never going to be perfect. We're not aiming for perfection. What we're aiming for is maturity. Grow in your faith. Grow up. You see areas in your life that aren't measuring up, if you would, to the standard, not which man has placed, but which God has set. Don't beat yourself up. Turn it over to him. Trust him. He's the author. He's the finisher. Go to John 3, verse 3. It's this encounter where Jesus has with Nicodemus. And Jesus begins to explain the spiritual understanding. Verse 3 of chapter 3 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And I'm concerned for those who are sitting amongst churches today, and are not only in our nation, but throughout the earth. But they're not born again. 
born again. Listen to what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. To be born again of the Spirit. Your desires are no longer led by yourself. No, your desires now are for Him. Are you born again? Did you consider the cost? Have you laid your life down? Because I think we're peddling a gospel that is not the gospel. And I think this false gospel in which the, all through the New Testament, the church is warned about of the false gospels that will come to pervert the church. That false gospel will lead people to an eternal hell. And yet they'll slap Jesus' name on it. No, the gospel, the truth, is you must be born again. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Honor God and all that you say and do. We can't keep living double lives. In it for a second and out for the next. It breaks my heart when, when, when just the thought of people sitting in churches, sitting thinking that they're marked by God, and yet there's no repentance in their life. They're just hiding. They put on a show in front of everyone because I want to be like you, but I know deep down I'm not. They can pray the elaborate prayers, and yet their heart is so tainted and marred by sin. We must awaken to the truth of the hour in which we're in. Are you born again? Of the new nature. And if not, you need to run to Christ. You need to consider the cost. You need to give your life to the one who gave his life for you. To be born again. To no longer be bound by the flesh. Do you understand the flesh? So many times we're blaming the devil for too many things. And it's not the devil, it's you. It's your desires that you're giving yourself into. Saying it's okay. Because no one's going to know. Or maybe they do know because they see the bad attitude that you live with. Or the hardness that you bring. Or the drunkenness or the laziness that you live in. And yet you want to slap Christ on your life as if it's pleasing to him. Oh no, we must awaken. I'm encouraged by Yvette's report and I'm encouraged when I see youth who really get it. Who understand the concept of laying their life down and I'll live for Jesus. I will not go the way of the culture. How many youth are sitting in churches today going the way of the culture? They can shuck and jive better than the world can. They're just as enslaved and the church parents are, are going about it because they're just such enslaved. 
if there's not a standard that's going to be raised up in the home, then we've lost a generation. Churches are not meant to be babysitters. You don't depend on the pastors or, or, or other Christians to raise your kids up. You raise them in the ways of the Lord. You instruct them in how and which the way they should go. You guard them because you've been entrusted with their lives. To be born again, you all. To live differently. To honor God. To trust Him. We have to be laborers. Effective laborers. I said earlier, how are you laboring? We just sit back. We can't just be complacent Christians who are just sitting back. Poor woe is me. My poor life, my poor family's out of control, my finances are disasters, poor, poor me. No, we need to get our eyes on Christ. Yes, God, have your way. Even in the midst of chaos, God, reveal yourself. How many of you are praying and interceding for your circumstances more than you're complaining about them? When I think of what is happening to our culture in America and how the culture is turning more and more against true Christianity, It's not going to be easy, you all. But Jesus never said it would be. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcame the world. He says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. I've been praying for us that we would become bold in our witness. That our mouths would begin to speak Truth. Truth. If they don't want to receive it, shake the dust off and move on. But at least speak. Hold up truth. Don't go along with them. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know what's around me. No, but I know your God in whom you say you believe in. Let them see Him in the midst of your chaos. Let them see one that is bowed to the one in whom they're calling on. Let them mock you and laugh at you and hate you. But don't give up. The Bible says don't grow weary in doing good. For the right time is coming and you will reap the harvest. Don't give up on your family and your friends. Pray and intercede. Sometimes it has to get darker before the bright light comes forth. Sometimes things just have to get more chaotic before things can be brought in to order. But we can't keep going the way that the world 
culture is going. We must remember we have been born again. Born again, you all. A whole new nature. A whole new nature. Go to John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, these are Jesus' words, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Go to Romans 8, verse 7. Should go back up to verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. How are you thinking? Your thoughts should not be dominated by the flesh. If they are, get on your knees and repent. Seek Him. Don't beat yourself up. Don't lay in condemnation. Feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit drawing you to Himself. He does not give up on us. He's continually pursuing us, continually working within us, growing and maturing us. But those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. It's a choice. Each and every single day. It's a choice. Whom you give yourself to. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ 
from the dead. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. To be born again of the Spirit. To be marked as children of God. It says there in verse 13, For if you live by dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. Years ago, I shared with you a devotion that was called Dead Men Have No Rights. Put to death, you all, your desires. That sinful nature that tries to prompt you and urges you throughout the day. Die to it. Learn of Christ. Allow the Spirit of God to give you the wisdom that's needed. And the truth to apply to set you free. And to keep you free. Go to Romans 12, verse 1. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be living in a holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for your life. Do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He changes the way you think. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, it talks about how we've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15 through 17. Let's turn there. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 15 through 17. He, Christ, died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ 
has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Oh, such great news that we have today to share with others. This newness of life. That we weren't meant for the temporalness of life. No, we were meant for the eternal with God. And it was only through Christ, through His death, through His resurrection, that we can have the hope that is within Christ. To know that we have now been marked and sealed until the day of redemption. This is the message in which we're carrying out to this world. This is the hope that we have. All because of Christ and Christ alone. Let's go to Revelations chapter 22. That's where I'm closing for today. Verse 7. All through scripture, you all. God is revealing himself to us. And it's through Christ that God has made provision for us to be reconciled back to him. Each and every single one of us within this room, we're going to take our last breath. Someday, somehow, someway. And it's at that time. There's no do-overs. You will stand before him and give an account for how you lived. And that's why we must not continue to take it lightly. What he has done. We must go forward and begin to proclaim the good news of Christ. Man doesn't need your opinion on anything out there. What man needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole fullness of the gospel. Not just parts of it, but the fullness of the gospel. Jesus himself Stated, it's going to cost you everything to follow me. That's why he tells his disciples in Luke, consider the cost. Don't begin something that you're not ready for. He knew what he came to accomplish. He knew the cross was set before him. And as believers, that's what's set before us each and every single day, of every moment, of every hour. The cross. You can choose to live for yourself or you could choose to live for him. I know we like to make it a one time prayer and poof, everything's perfect in your life. It's an everyday 
choice of submission to Him as Lord. Every day, of every hour, of every second. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. That's the call of a disciple. There's work to be done for his kingdom because he's returning. And he has made us aware of the very things that are set out to destroy that which he has purposed. The enemy, the world, and the flesh. The areas of life that want to challenge your identity in Christ. They will love nothing more than just strip you if they could, but they can't. The only right the enemy, the world, or the flesh has is what you give it. You give yourself to it, it'll devour you. The choice is not to give yourself to them, your choice is to give yourself. To Christ. He's victorious. And living in his victory. Does not mean. That everything of the temporal. Is going to line up perfect for you. I know the prosperity gospel. Would like to hand that out to you. Oh but let's not get lost. In the temporal prosperity. When we already have the eternal. Listen, he's returning. There's work to be done. The fields are ripe, but the laborers are few. But the Bible says to pray to the God, to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. And I believe that each one of us sitting here today is meant to be an answer to those who have been praying for laborers throughout the generations. Raise them up and send them forward that they will plow the fields. That we would keep our eyes on Jesus for he's returning. Verse 7. Jesus, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Jesus, look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat 
the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. So the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. And solemnly I declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add that person to the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove the person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in his book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Those living for God. Seeking Him above all else, you all. That is my hope for us. That we would continue to encourage each other. That I will continue to encourage you to go be effective laborers in the harvest. There's work to be done. We must not be a people who complain, who fault find, who gossip and murmur. We must be a people who understand how dangerous the tongue is. We must be a people that will encourage and edify and build up. A people who will serve and work diligently with our hands and go as He leads with our feet to love Him, to serve Him, to love others and to serve others because there is a day that's approaching. That he will be returning and gathering his own. And oh, what a day that will be. I'm going to close this with this last song of worship. And then I'll close this in prayer.